Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the One Year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is January 16th, and our reading comes from Matthew chapter 11. Beginning in verse 7, Matthew says this, As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures prefer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than than he is. I love this. So Jesus begins by talking about who John is in redemptive history. He's the forerunner. So John has come to prepare the way, to prepare the people, to open hearts for the coming of the Messiah. So that's what his ministry was all about. You remember his message was repent. He was calling people return to God. And all of us, if we're not careful, We all have a tendency to drift from God, and occasionally we need to be reminded, return to God. We should all be moving towards Jesus. Again, one of the real values of what we're trying to learn to do in this podcast, getting in the habit of opening the Word every day. What we're doing is we're returning to God. We're turning our hearts. We're turning our minds. We're turning our attention to God. Again, we want to begin our day there. So Jesus says, John came to call everybody to prepare their hearts for the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus says, he's the greatest man ever born. And I think that's primarily because he got to play such a significant role in the greatest moment in human history, the incarnation, the arrival of the Messiah. Now, it's interesting, Jesus says, that despite John's greatness, if you're in the kingdom, you're even greater than he is. What does he mean? He means what you have available to you. The benefits of being a child of God under the new covenant far surpass anything that John experienced. See, John is still living in the old covenant, right? This is before the death and resurrection of Christ. Well, after the death and resurrection of Christ and the arrival of the Holy Spirit, now when we place our faith and trust in Jesus— We are not just forgiven, not just counted righteous, not just a part of the family, but God's Spirit comes to live in us. And God's Spirit is producing His life and His kingdom in us. John never had that experience. So what all of us, ordinary Christians, not superstar Christians, not just pastors or missionaries— 
all Christians, everyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus gets to live a spirit-filled life and gets to partner with God as he's producing his life, his kingdom in us. Now watch this, verse 17. From that time, John the Baptist began preaching until now. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets, the law of Moses, look forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. And anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So I love what he says next. He says that for years, right, the kingdom has been coming, forcefully advancing it, and it's under attack. So you've got the religious leaders, you've got the secular world, attacking the kingdom of God by rejecting the message of John the Baptist and eventually the message of Jesus and putting him on the cross. But it's also true in this moment. There are these big crowds following John the Baptist and Jesus. You see it in this chapter. And these are people who have ears to hear, who have eyes to see, who have recognized for some reason Maybe because God has opened their hearts. We'll see that in just a moment. But they recognize their need for a Savior, and they hear the announcement that John the Baptist and Jesus make about the coming of God, and they are so determined to get hold of the kingdom. They're pressing in that Matthew is describing it almost like a a city under siege. All these people desperately wanting in the kingdom. And even today, you know, when we look at our world, a lot of our world rejects the message of Christ or is just completely distracted. But let me tell you, there are people around you, often because of their circumstances, they've come to a place in their life where they realize, I need God. And man, that's where me and you, that's why our role, our witness becomes so important because in those moments, we have an opportunity to point them to Christ. So man, let's look for those opportunities. Verse 16, to what can I compare this generation? It's like children playing a game in the public square. They complained to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John didn't spend his time eating and drinking. And yet you say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, Jesus, on the other hand, he comes feasting and drinking. You say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. In other words, Jesus is saying to culture at large that's basically ignoring the message, the gospel, the good news about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, y'all are not impressed. God is here. The kingdom has come. And y'all aren't dancing. Y'all aren't excited. Y'all aren't paying attention. Y'all are distracted by the world. And the truth is you're missing out on something better. And that's still a, a real challenge in culture today is that God is available and present and really wants to lead us into abundant life. But people are distracted or ignoring the kingdom because they think they have something better. But gosh, they're missing out, right? 
And Jesus says, you, you rationalized, made excuses. You justified your rejection of John. You justified your rejection of Jesus. But it's obvious when you look at my disciples, when you look at my children, it's obvious where my ministry is come. So the proof is in the pudding, Jesus says, right? Then he says this, verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done many of his miracles because they did not repent of their sin and turn to God. And he goes through and and he gives a list and he finishes in verse 24 by saying, I tell you that Sodom will be better off on judgment day than you. And I think this is a real challenge for American culture because today, just think about this. When Jesus was preaching this message, no one had a Bible. There was a scroll at the temple, but no one had a Bible. Most people were not literate. Most people didn't understand who Jesus was, certainly at this point in his life in ministry. And they weren't responding the way Jesus thought they should, and he rebukes them for it. Well, today, everybody has a Bible, even people don't believe. And most of us have multiple Bibles. We've got all kinds of experiences. Exposure. Jesus, the life and ministry of Jesus, has touched every corner of culture. And yet still, we don't repent. Culture does not repent. And I just think God would say that just as these other cities and cultures were judged because they rejected what was obvious, they rejected the messengers God sent in the very same way. America is being given over to judgment because we've not responded to the good news. The mess. I mean, 80% of Americans claim to be Christian, and yet we live as if God doesn't exist. And I just think God would say to America, return to me, return to me, return to me. So important. Then verse 25, at this time, Jesus prayed, Father, Lord of heaven, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and from revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Listen, Jesus leads the humble. Very simple. Jesus leads the humble. The proud have a closed heart, closed ears to the voice and the leadership, the direction, the guidance of God. Verse 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I love this. So this crowd is pressing in. The crowd that Jesus says is 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 trying to get into the kingdom, violently trying to get into the kingdom. They want what Jesus is here to offer. So Jesus says, come to me. Just return to me. I, I just love the compassion, the grace of Jesus. Jesus would say to you, Jesus says to me, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. Boy, in America, we are weary and heavy laden, stressed out, afraid, angry, lonely, depressed. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Jesus says, I'll give you rest. We find rest in 
Jesus. We can't find rest independently of Jesus, but we can find rest in Jesus. It reminds me of Psalm 23, the first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We have to learn to trust him, to rest in him, to be restored by him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Of course, that yoke would connect two animals together who would be working on a farm. And in the very same way, there's a work to do. But Jesus is inviting us to yoke with him. And guess what? He's going to do the heavy lifting. He says, you'll find rest for your soul. He says, my yoke is easy to bear. My burden is light. Why? Because he's doing the heavy lifting. Man, this is the Christian life. It's getting connected with Jesus and letting him do the hard work. And he has done it for us. He is our Savior. And again, this is the whole point of this chapter. Jesus is saying, listen, if you trust me, your life, your future, your experience will be even better than John the Baptist, who is the greatest man who's ever lived. Because my spirit's going to come to live inside of you. And my spirit's going to do the heavy lifting. My spirit's going to transform you from the inside out. My spirit's going to draw your heart. So listen, let's open our hearts today to the spirit of God and allow our shepherd to lead us into rest, abundant life, and transformation. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this word. God, you offer us so much. We get to be your children, to receive forgiveness and mercy and grace. And because we've trusted in you and we're washed in your blood, the Spirit of God has come to live inside of us. The Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we invite you to do the heavy lifting, to do for us what we've not been able to do, to transform our character from the inside out, to give us rest, to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us, to produce the kingdom of God in us, to help us love our family and our neighbor and our city and to fulfill the Great Commission, all the stuff, God, we're trusting you. It's a heavy burden. But if we'll get yoked with you, you'll do the heavy lifting. So we trust you that way. Help us to lean into you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, man, that's so good. Hope that encourages you today. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.